It is Monday, December the 11th, and it is <clears throat> the middle part of that day, and that makes it midday on the Rural Radio Network. Pardon me and my having to clear my throat, but yeah, we've got a little bit of wind down here, too, and surprise, it's uh, windy where you are, Susan Littlefield. It is absolutely crazy. I was out working on my television uh, reports a little bit ago, and it all but wanted to take my camera with it. Oh, boy. Kept looking for I kept looking for cows to fly by, maybe a tractor, you know. <laughs> There's no place like Kansas. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> exactly. All right. But the temperature's not so bad. Those are going to fall, but already I, I, I'm showing, what, about 48 in your region here on my yeah. weather calendar? It's not bad considering it's the 11th of December. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see how it uh, shakes out. You know, we're going to end up with some uh, with some cold weather at some point because Mother Nature always has that in store for us. Uh, let's talk about what uh, is hot in news today, and that would have to do with uh, a name that surfaces every once in a while, a lawyer by the name of Dave Domina. Exactly. The independent cattleman of Nebraska just held a news conference, and Shaley jumped on, and we'll have the story for everybody at 1245. Um, ICON's going to have their annual meeting Saturday night in Valentine. Um, during the afternoon session, though, this attorney is going to be speaking in discussion of property tax reform in Nebraska and the possibility of a class action lawsuit against the state of Nebraska. So we'll have more about that coming up at 1245. At 1219, I've got State Senator Dan Hughes joining me on the air. Of course, he represents the 44th District in Nebraska, and he's talking some water issues and other factors they're going to be looking at as the unicameral gets underway and things that will be affecting all of our producers and producers um, across the state. We're just all government today because then at 117, Bryce talks to the lieutenant governor about property taxes. So be stay tuned for that. Lots of government talk on the midday from the Farm Department. All right. Well, you probably can't find a hotter topic to address. Thank you, Susan. Thank and you. let's move on over to uh, Scott Foster, who's got the sports desk today. I was really hoping you would segue into, speaking of hot topics, here's Scott Foster. Well, so speak, <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of snappy dressers, let's, well, let's go with that one. That. Thank you You've very much. really got on a, on a, a kind of a Be careful. spate Be of careful. really, really good day's dressing here. Really? Yeah, you look great. Well, it means so much that you noticed, Turk. Well, <laughs> how can we not? <laughs> hey, the Nebraska volleyball team's kind of good. The yeah, program is good. For the yeah. first time in the program's history, they're going to back-to-back-to-back Final Fours. That's unbelievable to put your head around that. That's amazing what John Cook has done there. And this was supposed to be kind of a rebuilding year. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Also, as you would expect, a little recommit, decommit sort of thing going on with the Nebraska football team. We lost uh, Joshua Moore, who was the four-star wide receiver, but something like 60 offers were put out by Scott Frost and his new staff, so I think we're going to be all right. First visit weekend this past mm-hmm. weekend. And so, Lots of people coming. Yeah, that kind of thing is going to happen. Yep, it is. All right. Bob Brogan has the business. Wall Street is edging a little bit higher. Also, uh, Bitcoin is a hit on Wall Street. The first ever futures contracts for Bitcoin started trading on Sunday. And the Treasury says the GOP tax bill will generate $1.8 trillion in revenue over a 10-year period. Those stories and more coming up. Very good. And all of this is coming up for you on today's Midday. 
All right, the details keep changing on this ag weather forecast, and uh, it's just moving up. Here's Paul Perkins with a little bit more. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, they're upping the ante on the forecast for some wind gusts today. Oh, now expecting wind gusts up to 50 miles per hour in many locations. Yeah, so it's blowing microphones and, and, <laughs> and TV cameras and everything else around here at Rural Radio. Here is your ag weather. It is brought to you by Coolman Repair. Right now we do have temperatures in many areas in the low 50s, especially along I-80 and points to the south. But as you head farther north of I-80, those temperatures more so more in the mid to upper 40s as some colder air continues to drop south. That's thanks to a quick-moving cold front dropping southeast through the region. Northwest winds behind that front expected to gust to 50 this afternoon in many locations. Fire danger up near critical levels with the drier air moving in. The highest fire danger across southwest Nebraska, northern Kansas, and northeast Colorado, where there are red flag warnings this afternoon into early evening. Daytime highs probably going to be achieved right now in the near term into the early afternoon with steady or falling temperatures as we head towards the afternoon hours. Winds will decrease tonight as we see high pressure push in from the west. Downslope winds off high pressure over the Rockies going to maintain milder than normal temperatures for tomorrow. Windy weather though back on Wednesday. Some spotty rain or snow is possible Wednesday, Thursday and Saturday with the passage of a series of cold fronts. The temperatures will continue to be mostly milder than normal. Looks like our coolest day on Thursday with temperatures just right near seasonal levels. Overall, no major storms or cold blasts expected for at least the next seven days. Now, that also includes our long-term forecast, Nebraska, Kansas, and the western two-thirds of the U.S. looking at a good likelihood of warmer-than-normal temperatures this weekend through Christmas Eve day. Now, normal daytime highs in central Nebraska in mid-December are in the upper 30s with overnight lows in the mid-teens. And we'll continue to see December get much shorter with those milder temperatures in the area through at least the 24th right now. Our precipitation forecast expects near normal to below normal precipitation for Nebraska this weekend through the 24th and below normal precipitation the entire period for Kansas. Weather factors driving market trading decisions include a favorable rain forecast for Argentina and continued rain for central Brazil. Above normal temperatures will dominate areas from the Pacific coast under the plains for this week. A surge of cold air across the eastern through to the U.S. will peak at midweek from the lower Great Lakes into northern New England. Significant snow will accompany the arrival of that cold air, like they really want to see much more snow towards the Great Lakes. Probably not. <laughs> not. Not the thing they wish for. Saw a report that, that if anybody saw that Buffalo Bills game yesterday, they had eight inches of snow just during the football game yesterday. <laughs> if you saw a video of it, it was a royal mess there for those oh, yeah, players absolutely. to play. As you sat comfortably warm and dry on your couch. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the lower Great Lakes into the northern New England, though, once again, they're expecting some significant snow with that cold air. Mostly dry weather going to cover most of the country. Transportation impacts will be minimal across the Midwest, with above normal temperatures in western areas and below normal temperatures in the eastern Midwest. Any snow looks to be confined towards those Great Lakes states. Warm weather in the southern plains the next 10 days will prevent the wheat from going into dormancy. And that's going to continue to stress the crop due to the continuation of dry weather. Rain this past weekend and this upcoming week in central Brazil will continue to benefit soybean and full-season corn development. Southern Brazil was drier but mild. The soils are drying some, but temperatures will not turn stressfully hot. 
The rain forecast with mild temperatures continues to be promising for Argentina major crop areas for at least the next seven days. Australia's weather going to be dry this week for their wheat harvest. Ag weather is brought to you by Coolman Repair. Now, it's been a good long time since we've had any appreciable moisture over a good portion of... Uh, is that drought growing? Are we getting Yes, it, at least last week it was. You know, we'll, of course, know more with the latest drought monitor when they do release the latest numbers on Thursday. But I would imagine that drought coverage going to increase a, a fair amount this next week because a lot of Nebraska was drought-free, but last week it was, it was down to like only 38%. Sixty-six uh, percent, rather. Yeah. So it was. It was the drought coverage was growing in Nebraska and also in Kansas, where of course they need moisture for the wheat crop since it's not going into dormancy. Absolutely, everybody could use a little right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, we want to remind you that uh, you can follow along. We have uh, links whenever those come out for those drank mo- uh, those uh, drought monitor maps. And so listen in on Thursday, and we'll tell you where you can go for that. In the meantime, we'll let you know that when you need weather anytime, it's a krvn.com. The preventive planting option has ended. I'm Shaley Peters with a midday check of your ag news here on the Rural Radio Network. Farmers in northern Plains states and parts of the Corn Belt will lose the prospect of larger potential payouts under prevented planting claims following a crop insurance change announced last week by USDA's Risk Management Agency. In a memo sent out to insurers and USDA Risk Management Agency field offices, USDA eliminated the prevented planting plus 10% option for the 2018 crop year and future crop years. USDA kept the 5% option for farmers, though analysis shows very few farmers have taken that option. The 10% option paid out more than $4 billion in indemnities from 94 to 2013. The move comes after USDA changed prevented planting coverage factors for some crops last spring, which included lowering the coverage factor for corn from 60 to 55%. On Friday, USDA announced some other coverage factor changes, such as lowering the canola factor from 60 to 55%, the coverage factor for hybrid seed corn was also lowered from 50 to 45 percent. And the Food and Drug Administration began keeping records on antibiotic use in livestock animals in 2009. And for the first time since then, the agency says antibiotic usage has dropped. Sales of medically important antibacterials for livestock and poultry fell by 10% in 2016. The decline actually took place ahead of new antibiotic usage requirements that became law in January. As of 2017, farmers have to have veterinary oversight to give antibiotics to livestock animals. The drugs can no longer be sold for growth promotion. Tetracyclines made up 70% of all medically important antibiotics sold last year, but their usage dropped by 15% from the previous year. Opponents of on-farm antibiotic use look at this as a win. The Natural Resources District's Defense Council points out that the decline follows a series of commitments from the food industry to cut back on antibiotic use. A senior attorney for the NRDC says the progress is heavily influenced by the changes already made in the chicken industry, but also says the beef and pork industries are lagging behind. 
And the Nebraska crop budgets have been updated for 2018 costs and conditions and include five new budgets relative to corn-soybean rotations. In total, there are 78 crop production budgets for 15 crops, as well as information on crop budgeting procedures, machinery operation and ownership costs, material and service prices, and crop budget production cost summary. These budgets usually reflect the low one-third in cost per unit of production. For most producers, this is a good basis to use for comparison and identify areas where they might be able to lower cost. These budget projections were created using assumptions thought to be valid for many producers in Nebraska. However, each farming operation is unique. These budgets are being released in both Adobe PDF and Excel worksheet formats. The worksheet format allows producers to modify them to match their specific situation. And a video by now-retired Nebraska Extension Enterprise budget analyst Roger Wilson on the budget website walks viewers through how to best customize a budget for their operation. And finally, the drought monitor for Nebraska from last week showed approximately 61% of the state has now moved into the abnormally dry category, an increase from just 9% last week. Moderate drought conditions were indicated for just 2% of the state. That was unchanged from last week. And a full update on that, as well as audio, video, and other ag news can be found at ruralradio.com with a midday check of your ag news here on a Monday. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Water is set to be another important issue in the unicameral. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Senator Dan Hughes represents the 44th Legislative District in Nebraska. He and I talked about water issues and its effects on this coming unicameral. There's a lot of different things going on in water in the state of Nebraska. Uh, and, you know, of late, the water players are working better together. Uh, you know, the old saying that uh, whiskey's for drinking and water's for fighting, that, that is true. And uh, fortunately, we're in more of a a uh, lull right now. We are getting along better. The the state of Nebraska putting 11 to 15 million dollars in the water sustainability fund has helped a lot uh, to encourage cooperation of the water users in the state of Nebraska. So as as chairman of the committee, it's a good time uh, in water. There's been a lot of work has gone on before I got to the legislature, and I appreciate uh, everyone who's done those things. But uh, we're relatively quiet right now. And that's good news. Very have, good. Very especially good. with we know how important water is and a resource to our state. Absolutely. Uh, there are there are some you know pockets uh, where we do have some challenges, but uh, we're working through those and uh, you know I, nothing a good inch of rain won't cure. And we always welcome it around here. Absolutely. As you look towards this next session, obviously besides taxes and, and budgetary issues, how do you see all that affecting your committee? Um, there, there are a lot of uh, issues around uh, electricity uh, generation, you know, be it renewable energy. Uh, also, we had several bills dealing with unbundling of uh, your bill or choice. Uh, you know, if you could choose your electric supplier, uh, I we uh, dispatched with most of those bills last year. The committee did. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be very many come back again this year. We've still got. Uh, Senator Brewer's LB 504, which cordons off the Nebraska Sandhills, uh, puts a two-year moratorium on wind development in that area. 
Uh, that is still in committee, so that and uh, Senator Brewer has been working very hard on that issue this summer. So you know we'll see what comes up, but the overriding uh, issue for the legislature is certainly going to be budget. And for you, any issues that you see as being of importance that you're maybe looking towards that'll affect agriculture? Oh yes, I you know I've got several bills. Uh, probably the one that I'm working most on right now deals with the Encore project. Uh, that is uh, in southern Lincoln County, but it affects, there's four NRDs out there, the upper middle and lower Republican, as well as the Twin Platte. Uh, the problem has been that the land, the 19,000 acres that have not been on the tax rolls for the last few years, um, I'm bringing a bill that will allow those four NRDs to pay in lieu of property tax to Lincoln County to keep the, the school districts, the counties, uh, whole and and hopefully that will calm down uh, some of the local landowners who who feel that uh, that is not right and and it is not right. Uh, there's also a augmentation project in Dundee County called the Rock Creek Project that uh, it is in my district that I have some constituents who are not very happy about those acres being off the tax rolls. So hopefully this bill will allow the the NRDs to pay in lieu of property taxes, similar to what the Game and Parks Commission does on their wildlife management areas. There's just a lot of things going on in the legislature, and one thing, uh, you know, we have to have enough information on all of those things in order to make an intelligent decision. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Scott Foster. Thanks, Dirk. Well, Nebraska is headed back to the NCAA Final Four for the third straight year in volleyball as the Huskers down Kentucky in the regional final on Saturday afternoon. Outside hitter Michaela Fecky led the way with 18 kills in the match. She says the team was prepared to do whatever it took to get the win. I think that every day you just go out there and you try to do your best for your teammates because obviously we want to succeed and we want to make it to a Final Four and want to win a national championship ultimately and that's definitely one of our goals and if getting 18 kills means that's what you have to do then I guess it is but I think that we had a great team effort tonight and that's how we won. And you will face Penn State in the national semifinals at 6 p.m. Central Time on Thursday in Kansas City. The Nebraska football team lost its top-rated commit on Sunday afternoon as four-star wide receiver Joshua Moore decommitted from the Huskers. The four-star receiver had been committed to the Big Red since June and had visited Lincoln multiple times on his own dime, but reopened his recruitment with early signing period just weeks away. And you did land a commitment from four-star safety C.J. Smith, who previously had committed to Tennessee. The Nebraska men's basketball team swished three-pointers, forced turnovers, hit timely shots to quell potential runs, and repeatedly silenced the home crowd. For once, finally, the Huskers had the Creighton basketball team squirming in its own arena rather than bolting to an early lead. That, in and of itself could be considered a victory for Nebraska. The final score, of course, tells us otherwise as Creighton beat the Huskers 75-65. to That final score, though, was the only time Creighton led by double figures. Doctors believe Philadelphia Eagles star Carson Wentz, an MVP favorite, has torn an ACL and will miss the rest of the season and the playoffs. Sources tell the Associated Press that Wentz needs an MRI to confirm the severity of the injury. Wentz was hurt late in the third quarter in line 
Los Angeles on Sunday. Backup Nick Foles rallied the Eagles 11-2 to a win that secured the NFC East title and put them in first place in the conference with three games remaining. The Pittsburgh Steelers have wrapped up the AFC North title for the third time in four years. Ben Roethlisberger threw for 506 yards, and Le'Veon Bell scored three touchdowns as Pittsburgh rallied by Baltimore 39-38. The Steelers have won eight straight games and will face New England next week in a showdown that could determine home field advantage throughout the playoffs. That's a quick look at sports. More of Midday on your way on the Roll Radio Network. I'm Scott Foster. Mostly clear skies tonight, lows in the upper teens to upper 20s. I'm Dave Schroeder. The Beatrice School Board wants to hire Ord Superintendent to lead its district. The Beatrice Board on Saturday offered the job to Jason Alexander. Initially, the Beatrice Board deadlocked on three votes and had trouble deciding between Alexander and an internal candidate. But the board ultimately chose Alexander because of his background in budgeting and his experience as a superintendent. Alexander will replace Pat Norris when he retires next summer. Nebraska Senator Deb Fisher says a House-Senate conference committee met through the weekend to work towards consensus on a major tax reform bill. And hopefully we'll have a very pro-growth bill in in the end. I hope we'll be able to vote on it either this coming week or the week after. It's important that we... um, that we turn this economy around and that we can see growth and that we can see investment, that we can see jobs created. Fisher disagrees that the bill just helps corporations and the rich. It doubles the, sta- the standard deduction. That is a big deal for families to be able to double that standard deduction. It doubles the child tax credit. It puts in place um, an idea that I have a proposal that puts in place a voluntary two-year pilot program for paid family leave. The Senate and House bills call for state and local deductions for income and sales taxes to be repealed, but homeowners would be able to deduct up to $10,000 in local property taxes. Senator Fisher stopped in Lexington over the weekend and toured Lexington Regional Health Center in Lexington. Lincoln officials are paving the way for a new bike-sharing program, similar to one already in place in Omaha. The city council in Lincoln is expected to decide on a $775,000 equipment contract and a separate operation contract with B-Cycle. The company also operates Omaha's bike-share program. The program aims to launch 100 bikes and 18 stations in downtown Lincoln in April. One of Wichita's largest churches is planning to develop a major housing subdivision and special events complex. Central Community Church filed plans with the city for developing 33 acres of vacant land just west of the existing church buildings. Plans call for as many as 280 homes and senior living apartments, an amphitheater, a special event center or nightclub, a chapel, a soccer field, and two ponds. Planners will publicly present the project on Thursday. Your phone is just one click away from closings and cancellations when you use our app. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. I'm Shaley Peters, joining you here on the Rural Radio Network. And the Independent Cattlemen of Nebraska will host their annual meeting 
this upcoming Saturday, which will feature attorney Dave Donama as one of their speakers. They hosted a conference call this morning as Domina went into property tax reform and solutions for this issue in Nebraska, while also offering some discussion on a possible class action lawsuit with the state, depending on the course of action the state makes. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a lawyer. My credential for this purpose, I guess, if you'd call it that, is that in 1992, I was uh, responsible for presenting and arguing uh, a case called the JAKSHA, J-A-K-S-H-A, versus the state of Nebraska to the Nebraska Supreme Court. That uh, case produced a decision of the court on a 6-1 vote that declared major portions of the entire property tax statute unconstitutional uh, and forced the legislature to go back to work to rewrite a property tax law really in emergency circumstances because the court had compelled it to do that. The Jacksha case came about out of taxpayer frustration very much like what I'm hearing about today from independent cattlemen from Nebraska farmers in the eastern part of the state who find themselves in a position to try to market grain against producers from states to the east and to the north and to the south, uh, where the property tax is a significantly lower input cost, placing them at a competitive disadvantage at the marketplace. That's certainly true of Nebraska's cattle production. The property tax is a significantly higher input cost that is placing Nebraska's cattle producers at a competitive disadvantage to neighboring states. It has long been popular for Nebraska politicians to say that the state has to be business friendly and that its tax structure has to be business friendly. As a result of that, we've had exemptions and credits and deductions passed to the income tax, the sales tax, and as uh, Al mentioned, the property tax in the Advantage Act. And as a result of that, the tax that's imposed to finance public education in Nebraska has dramatically increased, and our number one industry is now non-competitive in a significant way because Nebraska is a property tax outlier. The obligation to supply an education to students is imposed by the Nebraska Constitution on state government. The Constitution does not impose that obligation on school districts. In fact, it, it says the legislature shall provide for the free instruction in the common schools of this state of all persons between ages 5 and 21 years. It says nothing about authorizing the financing of that state obligation with a tax that is raised locally and is not rendered uniform and proportionate in a way that um, is demonstrable mathematically. We've come to a point where that, in the view of many, many people, is our present circumstance. When I speak to the independent cattlemen on Saturday, I'll give them a history of the circumstances legally that existed when the Jacksha case was brought uh, before 1992. 
the arguments presented to the Nebraska Supreme Court, the key decision points of the Supreme Court, and I'll try to compare and contrast that with the present statutes, legal environment, situations of the school districts, and situations of property owners, both residential and ag property owners. Uh, and I will uh, permit people to perceive whether there are similarities or differences between those two periods in time. Uh, I'll probably also observe uh, more broadly than I'll say it now that uh, a reading of the Nebraska Supreme Court's 1992 opinion suggested that the court was aware that its decision would force comprehensive action by the legislature. Uh, since 1992, we've had uh, five gubernatorial elections. We're about to have a sixth in another year. We've had a series of legislatures. We've gone from a term unlimited to term limited legislators, legislatures and legislators, and the property tax really hasn't been fixed. Uh, so uh, that history, those circumstances, the potential arguments will be discussed. I'll also make this point. The Supreme Court can only declare the validity or invalidity of existing law. It can't write a new law because the legislature fails to. The legislature or the people by initiative have to do that. So in 92, the Supreme Court created a crisis. The legislature responded with a very small scrape by for the moment fix and hasn't returned to really repair the problem. Now in 2017 and going into 18, uh, Nebraska has become non-competitive. It desperately needs to have its legislature address and resolve this problem. And I think there will be some discussion about how important a priority this issue has to have in the 2018 election and litigation environments. Again, hearing from attorney Dave Domina as he will speak at the Independent Cattlemen of Nebraska's annual meeting this upcoming Saturday. More information on the meeting and what will be covered can be found at ruralradio.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters. Next, we talk with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, about the livestock futures trade. Joe? Yeah, today, not a very... Uh, positive day uh, in uh, livestock futures. Cattle are uh, going to finish lower. Feeders going to finish mixed to mostly lower and hogs lower. Uh, just really hasn't been a lot of good news around in the livestock markets here lately and uh, uh, and uh, that was reflected in the way we traded uh, through the day. Uh, started out mostly lower and uh, stayed uh, under a little bit of pressure for a while. Cutouts came out at noon. Just a little bit higher on the cattle uh, at noon, and that brought about a little bit of a rally. But uh, here late in the session, uh, sold off pretty, pretty good, uh, and uh, to remain uh, lower on the day. So, uh, just like I said, not a lot of good news around. Haven't heard any uh, bids yet, and uh, we'll have to wait and see. Feeders probably performed the best because we closed mixed. We had the January. Uh, 
in the uh, September uh, contract close a little bit higher. The rest uh, unchanged to lower. Uh, same thing there, uh, mostly lower. Had a fairly decent rally there in the middle. And I think uh, to some degree the uh, grains being weak uh, helped the uh, feeders and then sold off just a little bit going into the close. Over in the hogs, lower uh, most all day long. Just really hasn't been uh, anything good to talk about. Uh, the index uh, began coming down. Cutouts, though, were just a little bit higher at noon. That provided little uh, support, but uh, overall, just a weak day livestock. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Stewie Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Will farmers and ranchers see any property tax relief in year 2018? That is the question and topic that I focused on with a recent conversation with Nebraska Lieutenant Governor Mike Foley. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett. While farmers and ranchers do not need to be told that property taxes are a hot topic right now, According to the Nebraska Farm Bureau, paid by farmers and ranchers on agricultural land are up 164% over the last 10 years. But with a state budget shortfall and other pressing issues on the table, will farmers and ranchers see any meaningful property tax reform this legislative session? The lieutenant governor is optimistic, but we first began our conversation talking about the state budget shortfall and how the governor's office is addressing that topic. That's right. I was just with uh, John Stinner, who's a state senator from Scotts Bluff, who chairs the Appropriations Committee. I was with him yesterday talking about the budget situation. There's another round of uh, some cuts that are just going to be required to get the budget back in a balance. You know, the state has to live within its means just like the farmers do. So we've got to tighten our belts yet again, and we'll do it. We'll get through it, and, uh, you know, things, things will turn around. We've been through this before. But the property tax situation is, is a critical issue that we've got to get this legislation to focus on. Last year we had a bill which we think would have done a lot of good for our farmers and ranchers. It got caught up in a filibuster. We need 33 votes to break the filibuster. We had 28 votes. Now we're talking with those senators who weren't with us last time and say, look, what's the problem? What can we do to tweak this bill and, and, and make it more acceptable to you so, you so we can win your vote? Also, last year the Farm Bureau was sitting on the sidelines. They, they, didn't, they weren't fully committed to the bill. Now we're sitting down with them saying, look, let's work together on this. Let's get the Farm Bureau, the cattlemen, the Governor's Office, the Chambers of Commerce, all working together, all singing out of the same uh, book, hymn book, so to speak, so we pr- present a united front to the legislature and push this thing through and get some meaningful tax relief for our farmers and our ranchers. You expect a, a different bill than the one you had last year coming through and modified, and if so, what ways would that bill, uh, how would that look? Well, that's a critical question. What's this new bill going to look like? And the governor hopes to have something to unveil within the next couple of weeks. There's had a lot of meetings and more hours meetings yet to come with Farm Bureau and Cattlemen and the other big uh, groups talking about what's this bill going to look like? What can we do to, to, to find the votes to get this bill pushed through the legislature? So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll get to see the details on that. It will have both an income tax and a property tax component, most likely. And in fact, almost assuredly. Uh, but just what that will look like, the finer points, the details, uh, yet to be known. One state senator from Bayard, Senator Erdman, is proposing, uh, if, some, if nothing happens in the legislature this year, bring it to a statewide vote. I know the governor's office has had a little bit of pushback there and said, let's just handle this in the legislature like we can. What's the plan? If, that, if something doesn't happen, or, or, will we see a statewide vote? Well, Steve Erdman's a great guy. I really like Steve a lot. He's a great state senator. He's a great advocate for agriculture in our state. His concept, put something on the ballot that would give people a 50% tax credit based on whatever school property taxes 
they pay. In concept, that's, that's fabulous. The problem is, how do you pay for it? And that's the missing part of the equation. You've got to have some way to pay for these things because we have to live within balanced budgets. <clears throat> so if we can find some way to pay for that, that, that might make a different story. But right now, that part of the equation is missing. It's just like, give us a tax credit based on the property taxes we pay to support our schools. But then how do you pay for it? The, the conversation seems to go quiet. So we'll, we're going to continue to talk to Steve. He's a great state senator, doing a good job ad, advocating for, uh, for agricultural interests because that's the bread and butter of his district. And uh, we'll, we'll work together with him, and we'll find something that gets, gets the votes we need. That was Nebraska's Lieutenant Governor Mike Foley. I'm Bryce Duskett. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Um. A negative day in the grain and soybean markets. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, and with us, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. And it started out that way. It was uh, pretty much just a, a negative sort of day in a, in a grain and soybean sell-off. Yeah, it really was. I mean, the wheat markets are, are leading us down here and just, just punishing anybody who tries to buy. I mean, I... I left for, for Nebraska last week on a Tuesday in a pretty good mood looking at prices, and it's just completely reversed since that point. Tuesday's closed. I think beans were off the highs by about 25 now. Corn off the highs by about a dime. Maybe not that quite much, but maybe 7, 8 cents. And then wheat, I mean, 20 cents down, really. 460 was kind of the level I was looking at when I left, and we crossed 450 there, and I actually bought a little bit the end of last week thinking I was going to be pretty smart there, 450 being a level, and it just cut through that like butter and, and sits at 443 now for July contract. So I think there's better days. I would not join the Bears party here. It doesn't feel like there's going to be a lot of downside, but, uh, you know, looking at, uh, you know, more sideways, which is, is going to feel negative. So uh, at this point, uh, WASI tomorrow will be the dictating factor, and then probably just you know, watching the interest rate story and then buttoning up positions to get to the end of the year. All of that stuff should be bullish down the road, in my opinion. And the, the funds seem to be not concerned at this point about dryness in hard red winter wheat country. Plus, so much is built into this market, maybe uh, we could see somewhat of a buy the, buy the fact tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the that's what a bull like me, especially in the in the wheat market, and I wouldn't say I'm bullish wheat, but certainly trying to buy here, just for folks, same reasoning that you said. I mean, at at this level, it makes very difficult to to sell a rally because it's going to rally and it's going to be dry, and that's where it's um, you know from a marketing standpoint, buying call options does make sense in my opinion because if we do catch a rally, and you can make this case in corn as well, it's going to rally on production problems. And you better either just cross your fingers that it's not you, or if it is you, you know, what are you doing and, and if this price would give you a real good opportunity. And I'm not saying I love reowning when you're going to be growing the bushels, but, you know, spending $0.10 cents on a $5 call option that expires six months from today, there's a pretty good rate of return there if, uh, if we'd need it down the road. So that's kind of the tact I'm trying to take at this point. Uh, Conab will be out tomorrow morning as well, so I think maybe we get a little bit more of a bullish spin on things after the USDA report tomorrow. All right, thanks for the comments. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Make sure you uh, look at their website, too, for more information, danielzagmarketing.com. If you wish to call John, it's 866-825-8561. I'm Dewey Nelson.